Welcome back to the Dylan Friends Podcast. This week, very special guest, the slippery fish, Zach Fisher. Zach is an up-and-coming star down at Princess Park. He's just signed a massive three-year deal with the Blues, which will see him at the club until 2023. I thought, what better time to get this exciting speedster on the show? We chat about 2020, what it was like living with me when he first got drafted versus downgrading to live with Paddy Cripps. His new role as a small forward, learning the tricks of the trade from Eddie Betts, kicking snags, and his love or obsession with gaming. It was great catching up with Zach. I hope you enjoyed the chat as much as we did. And please, don't forget, if you like the episode, it'll be a huge help. I'd be forever indebted if you could subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Let's go. Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Strap yourselves in for some lighthearted and wholesome fun. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Zach Fisher, welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast, my friend. Uh, this has been a long time in the making, and it's, it's good to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Long time coming, I reckon. Huge fan. It has been. Um, mate, I just want to start it, not on a negative note, but I've done a lot of podcasts in COVID-19, and it's unprecedented time. So, obviously, we're not in the same state at the moment. You're in Perth, I'm in Melbourne. Um, technology's hard to deal with, but in saying that, I have never experienced... Over an hour it has taken you to set up your podcast material for me tonight. I'm still wondering if you're still recording right now. I'm actually quite nervous that this is not even recording. I am checking. I'm a perfectionist, mate, and I think all is well. I'm getting a few notifications on the left here, but I think we're good. It's good. Now, it's an honor to have you, my friend, and um, our relationship, I suppose, stems back to a long time. I've absolutely loved seeing you killing it over the last few years, but... But first, I do want to congratulate you because a few four-year contract, bloody huge, well-deserved... Congratulations on that. How does it feel to be putting pen to paper? No, nah, it's awesome, mate. Um, it is only three years, but um, mate, I'm bloody excited with the direction of the club and um, you know, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, so that's good. Okay, I thought it was four years. Uh, that's, that's fine, so we, we're off to a good start. Now, mate, you're in York at the moment, which is your hometown. Um, you're with your great mate, old man, Jez. Talk us through York, because since we met, and we will get into that shortly, but since we met, you've always said the Prince of York, that's you. Where is York? What's it, what it's, what's it about and um, why is it so special? Um, York's about an hour and a half inland of Perth. Um, it is a self-proclaimed nickname, but I've kind of gone away from it. I haven't been here in a long time, but um, it's about a 1,000 people live here. Um, Chance Bateman, Premiership player, is from here and um, the Duperuzels um, back in the day played for the Saints. But there's not a lot going on down here, but, yeah, it's a, a nice remote place. It's a beautiful place. I haven't been there yet, but I've spoken to your old man, Jeremy, and he's, uh, he has extended his, his welcome to me. So as soon as I can uh, get out of Victoria, mate, uh, York will be up there with the top probably 150 places I will visit in the next, <laughs> in the next three years. So I'm very excited to get up to York. I've heard nothing but good things. Now, mate, I'd love to set the scene. Um, our relationship, uh, it's been a great one. I've loved every minute of it. But it started about five years ago when you were picked up to the Blues um, when I was still there. And a young, fresh-faced uh, Zach Fisher was looking for a home. Um, he was looking for a nest because he was away from mum and dad and he didn't have anywhere to live. And I thought, look, I can see something in this young man and I want to take him under my wing. So I, I put the hand up. I said, I want this guy to come live with me. Uh, you did. You came and lived with me. I, I can't remember how long it was for now. It was probably a few months. But take me back to those times. What are your first memories of getting to Melbourne, I suppose? What are your first memories of getting to Carlton? And, and when did it all happen? Because I, I can't really remember how it actually panned out. Yeah. Um, well, it was obviously all a bit of a blur. Um, it was all exciting. But, yes, you did take me under your wing per se. And 
I think my first memories were living in the cloud, which I Googled, and it's about 40K from um, Icon Park. Um, the barbecues with the uh, halloumi cheese and Frank and Jas. Um, yeah, they're all good memories. Um, I ha- had a bit of a reflection. So you took me in. Um, Samo went to Ed Kerno and Creed's got Clary. So, you know, all fair, fair trades, uh, like for likes. <laughs> What was your first memories, I suppose, getting to Melbourne? As I said, I was trying to work out, did I pick you up from the airport or did I pick you up from the club? How did it work? Do you remember? I stayed in Vibe across across the club for a couple of nights yep. and then um, moved, in, yeah, moved in with you. Okay, it makes sense because my first memories of you, and I don't know if I'm making this up or not, um, but I remember picking you up and you rocked up to my house and all we had was a backpack and a skateboard. That would make sense, mate, because... I didn't have much to pack back here. You didn't. Um, and I thought, look, I thought getting in, getting you into my house at that time as well, I thought this is going to be really exciting. I'm going to have this superstar young kid um, come live with me. But another really important thing you did make mention, I was living 40Ks out of the city, okay? I was never on good money. I had to get a place quite far out of the city, which I was doing renovations at the time. Um, do you still have it? I do still have that place. But one thing I was very disappointed in yourself um, in that time, and I thought it was going to, correlate into your footy which it didn't but you never really wanted to help me out the renovations around the house did you <laughs> well mate, i didn't even want to cook and i don't think i've cooked a meal since being with you to be honest um my lovely partner um is really good at that but i'm not much of a handyman if if you can believe it or not yeah but you're a very handsome man so that makes up for it now as i said earlier i thought i'd take this young kid under my wing which which i tried to do my best i tried to do the right thing by you show you the ropes um in that first year at the club. But I think I actually did nearly too good of a job at that because about six months later, you probably took my position and then I ended up not having a job at all. What what were your memories of first coming down to the club? And I suppose setting it alight, mate, because you were such a light kid. I think no one really thought that you were going to play too early, but um, you did because you, you debuted sort of in your first year and played some really good footy. Yeah, I think I, um, I got drafted about 62 kilos, believe it or not, which is quite light. Um, but... Yeah, I think I just had the goal um, being a slider frame. I think you just want to prove yourself to the group. And actually, one of my first memories down in training was you you tackling me. And um, you remember that when you let me know about it, and Murph had to pull you off. No, it was all, it was all good. Um, but probably my first memory was that tackle from you. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. I didn't really like the tackle too much. But one thing I do remember about you is how tough you were and how much you did uh, impress the guys by you know taking on the big boys. But um, it was always something that never really bothered you at all, your height and your size, but I suppose we'll get into that a little bit later. What else do you think are memories you learnt early days? Like, I remember when I was a young kid coming into a club, you probably, and, and not speaking for, for you here because I don't think it is too similar, but I sort of just thought things were going to happen. I probably didn't have too many people giving me advice on, on what to do. What do you remember early days? Was it something maybe like Bolts had talked to you about or, or certain people had sort of told you about playing senior footy? So Sammo went pick, I think it was six or seven, and um, I always thought I was as good, So, which is probably a bit arrogant to say, but um, I always thought if I could compete with him and go along with him, that um, I'd try to just compete against him and then I think things would fall into place, if that makes sense. So I felt like he was a really good person to push me um, and I would hopefully push him as well. But um, having someone like him who I got drafted with, who I could compete with, um, yeah, I thought really set me up. What I want to know, though, is because you were picked up, what, pick 20-something? 
27. 27. So early days, you're a pretty small guy. Was it always actually on the radar to get drafted? Like, were you, were you always going to sort of get picked up, or was it a growth spurt in that early time that got you to, to the club? Um, well, I always had aspirations to be getting drafted, but um, I think I lost a bit of hope, I reckon, in year 10 because of my size. But um, I was able to play senior waffle football in my draft year, um, and I was able to play some consistent good football there. And I think p- being able to play against men um, gave me the confidence again. And um, obviously having a consistent year injury-free, um, yeah, really set me up. So it was definitely always the goal. What would you say now, you reckon, to a young kid in your position? Obviously, this year, kids are going to be stressing out uh, with no draft year footy. Um, they don't probably know what's going to happen in the draft. Twenty young kid that's trying to get picked up, what would be, you know, you're probably at that stage now where you can look back and reflect on your first few years. What would be some advice you'd give a young kid entering into the AFL? I'd probably say just be just being consistent with, um, I guess, your, your training habits, um, I'd say. And... Um, you know, there's a lot of cliches that can be thrown out um, with advice, but I think just doing every um, rep and every kick with um, as much purpose as you can to you know, just keep improving. I like that, my friend. I probably didn't do enough of it. Um, as we said earlier, you were a very slight young man. Um, early days in your career, is there a story where you might have been mistaken as someone that was doing work experience at the club? Mate, I still get that to this day. Um, I can't remember the exact day you're talking about, but I think two years ago, um, Belle and I, shout out to Belle, um, went to a movies, MA15. I didn't have my ID and I got knocked back. Couldn't, couldn't see the movie. You're kidding. Which is uh, incredible stuff. Mate, the reason I ask is because this happened to me. One day, Jason Agamanis, he's obviously a fairly good player. Um, I don't think you're at the club at this stage, but he came down to Carlton and he was trying to become a coach. Anyway, I was like, geez, Jason Akamanis, what a player. I want to sit down with this bloke and, and just learn everything he can do. You know, handstands, three-time premiership player, you know, Brownlow medalist, absolute superstar. So I'm sitting down with Jake, Jason Akamanis, chewing his ear off, thinking he's interested in the conversation. He knows who I am. I reckon we were chatting yeah. for probably 25 minutes. He was giving me tips about um, how to play and, and what to do. And he was pretty much sort of just telling me about what he was doing his whole career. Um, and it got towards the end of the, the conversation and... He said, he asked me, the last question he asked me was, how how am I finding my first year in the system? It was actually my fourth year at that stage. <laughs> it was honestly one of the most, I don't think I've ever felt as shit in my life as when Jason <laughs> Ackermanis said to me, how are you going in your first year? It was my fourth year. I probably played about 20 games and he had absolutely no idea who I was whatsoever. Well, you, you've, um, you've stolen his upside down handstand in the change rooms. <laughs> <laughs> can't talk about that too much, but it is a rumour that keeps going around. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Um, mate, when you moved out of mine, which was a sad day, you you house-hopped a little bit, you went around, uh, and then you moved in with one, the captain, the messiah of the Blues, Paddy Cripps. Tell us what it's like living with, with Paddy Cripps. Yeah, mate, he's a, um, he's a class act, obviously. You know Patrick, good mates with Patrick. But um, I think I had a year with him, um, being close mates with him, but... He's the um, ultimate professional. I think I've, I've said it a few times, but just his diet and um, being able to, you know, look at what he puts in his body, um, you know, something that I've really taken to. But um, just having, you know, the captain of the club, someone who um, believed in you um, and you can have chats with all the time, I reckon it was um, you know, a really good step for my football career. What was he like? Okay, we know he's a professional man, but surely he's got to have a funny side to him. Is there anything that you can tell us about Paddy Cripps that he might not want us to know? The only thing I can think of is just he loves to fart. He just loves the sound of a fart. 
I've never seen someone giggle so much at the sound of a fart. He's quite childish. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, no, but he is very childish. Um, he's a very big kid, but um, yeah, he's very funny. Uh, living with the captain, you'd, you'd feel like you're pretty safe with most things, true? True. So just say, you know, when you go into training, um, you're going to always be professional, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So what would you say, if I have it on good authority, that living with the captain you were still late to training twice. Um, yeah, well, you'd be right. You would be right. <laughs> who, who told you this? Mate, I can, I can never reveal these secrets, yeah, you, but how, how did this come yeah, about? This, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mate, um, to be honest, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a great sleeper, mate. I slept through two alarms on the Cripper's watch and um, he gets pretty angry when it's under his watch because um, there's a lot of... Well, the stuff that comes back at Pat, but yeah, I'm sorry, mate. What were some of the punish? Did you have to do punishments post these sessions? Did was it true that he had to actually he had to actually control these punishments? Uh, no. So I think at the time it was still Bolt, and he was a big believer in group punishment. So I think I made the boys do two five a.m. swims. I think it was like 15, 20 laps. Where at? And I'm the worst. Brunswick Bars. So made um you know forty six the lads get up early and go for a swim. The one thing about punishments is when you're, when you're late, it's probably fair enough when it's by yourself. Like I remember when I was late once, a punishment we had to do um, in my first year was if you'd stuffed up in a certain, um, like to say you were late to a meeting, late to training, something like that. It was my first year. It was like nearly my first month we had to do. So basically what the punishment was, was you had to do a what bike test on, uh, which are like, 15 minutes, but they're like the hardest 15 minutes you'll ever do. And you have to choose a coach and someone from the leadership group to do it with you. So you have to ask them to do it with you and come into the club at 5 a.m. So one day um, I'd asked uh, Murph because I just, you know, really got along with him and he was a good guy. And he's like, yep, I'll do it with you. But what had happened was Juddy wasn't playing that week and he needed to get some extra fitness in. And they said, well, look, Juddy, uh, Murph isn't playing. Uh, Murph is playing this week. Juddy's going to have to come out. So you're going to have to go ask Juddy. So I had to go and ask, in my first month, go out to ask Juddy to come meet me at the club at 5am with Brett Ratton to do a bike test with me because I'd missed the meeting. Like, it's the most embarrassing, like, you'd probably just rather do it by yourself. But when they add the punishments and they let you do them as a team, you just feel so much worse. Yeah. I'm surprised you even asked Murph. I can hear you the last person I'd go to now. Really? There's no way I'm getting, there's no way I'm getting Murph at the club at five o'clock. Would you rather Murph or Simo? Neither. I'd probably rather Murph. Um, I'd probably pick one of the younger kids. Did it have to be a leader? It has to be a leader and a coach. I'd probably pick Doc. He loves the what bike. <laughs> he loves what bikes. <laughs> Speaking of Doc, this is one of my favourite stories, and I hope this is true. But in one of your first games, you were cramping. Okay. Do you know the story? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was a bit notorious for cramping. Um, during games and, you know, I've gone up to the uh, physio, which was um, Dan Bunch at the time, and I said, hey, mate, I'm cramping. Um, do you have any tips for, uh, you know, what I can help with my cramps? He's like, yep, go see Doc um, and he's got something, he'll get something for you. So I've gone up to Doc and I've said, hey, mate, um, what have you got for, you know, any cramping tips? He's like, yeah, mate, I usually uh, eat salt and vinegar chips. So the next week I rock up to the game with um, salt and vinegar chips and Bolts goes like, mate, what are you, what are you doing eating salt and vinegar chips? I said, um, you know, yeah, Doc told me to do it. And um, later on I found out that they uh, meant the doctor, not, not Doc. So I got <laughs> stitched up there. And so, 
Um, and Doc, I've asked Doc about this story, but um, he said he was pretty bad. I was like, just made up. I was like, yep, salt and vinegar chips. He's uh, good for cramping, but silly man. <laughs> so was Doc trying to stitch you up or was he just talking? No, he was being genuine. Because um, I, I went up to Doc and I said, hey, mate, um, you know, mids or mids or bunches told me to come to you. So he's just, you know, giving me you know, anything on the top of his head. Mate, we'll move on to footy now because I know it's uh, – it's a big time for you, but as you know, mate, you you, you alluded to earlier, you are quite a, a forgetful man sometimes. Um, I've been on good authority recently as well. Your 21st birthday came up, and, and a game on your birthday is great. Um, talk us through that game and, and what happened. Yeah, so I rocked up the game. I've done about an hour of preparation, you know, got my ankles taped, um, you know, wrists, dummy outside warm up with um, my joggers, and I figured that I forgot me boots. Oh. Nightmare. So how did you, what did you do? <laughs> I couldn't believe it, mate. Like I rocked up. Um, I had to call. My first call was Lulo Sullivan, um, great human. But um, I was I asked her to go pick him up, and then I asked Belle. She'd had already had a few drinks, so I think Belle drove out and got him. And I think I got him 10, 10 15 before for the siren. Who was coaching yeah. at this stage? <laughs> Bolt. What did What did Bolt say um, to you? I didn't. I don't even think I told him. I don't think I told him. I tried to keep it pretty quiet because I was. I started to get pretty nervous and I started to sweat, but um, yeah, we got him in the end and um, all was well. Was there a backup plan? Is there anyone that you could have possibly swapped boots with or, or worn at that stage? Simo is the same size, but he was the last resort option. I probably would have wore a size 12 before wearing I, I boots. highly doubt Simo would have let you wear any of his boots, <laughs> ever. He would not let you touch them. Probably that. I've, I've never met a man that's more, Some, he's so more immaculate with his belongings. Exactly. Um, do you remember, I don't know, you probably weren't playing this day, but Clem Smith... Good uh, friend of ours, our ex-teammate. One day at in we we're playing the VFL, obviously, and um, we're out at Collingwood playing in Collingwood. And Clem did the same thing. He forgot his boots, but he couldn't go and get them. So he played in a pair of Christian. He was about a size nine. He played in KJ yeah. spare boots, were the only ones. They were metal stars, <laughs> and they were size twelve. I've never seen anything like it. But <laughs> how did he play? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Better than me. Yeah, he's a good boy. 2020 is a strange year. Um, this season's been crazy. I suppose no one would have ever, you know, picked that this was going to happen. Um, it was a very, very, you know, unprecedented times. We didn't know what was going to happen. But I suppose your game changed a little bit this year too. Change of position. Um, how'd you find the year? I suppose early on you were injured um, when you, with your syndesmosis, but you had to fight your way back into the team. Um, how did it? How did it all come about? Yeah, it was a, a different year, obviously. I think it was for everyone just being 2020. But, um, yeah, I really set my year to come in as a more of a hybrid mid-forward. Um, and then round one, obviously, going down with my uh, syndesmosis injury um, and having 10 weeks off legs, um, really had to try and just become a, a forward because I don't think I had the um, running ability to play mid. So, um, yeah, but I thought I really bought into the, um, into the role um, in the break, I called Tiggy and I said, hey, mate, obviously I don't think I'll be playing midfield this year, but I'm going to you know, put my mind and become the best small forward you've got this year. And um, I think having Eddie Betts there this year was you know, really great for my development. Um, I think previously we have lacked a lot of um, leadership in, in that forward role, especially the small forward, I think. Um, so, yeah. Really put my mind to it, and I thought, yeah, I had a um, pretty consistent year, which was which I was pleased with. No, you did, mate. But it's probably looking back, like you're pretty lucky that, you know, in a bad look, it's not really nice to say this, but I suppose in a positive out of a negative situation, if the season didn't get called off, you could have nearly missed 
the majority of it. Yeah, um, I think it was. I missed sixteen weeks of uh, of games. If that was the case, so I would have come back at around eighteen, which would have been. So in that case, I was blessed um, and very fortunate. I think I only missed four games in the end. Yeah, and you did a bloody good job, man. Small forward role. Um, oh, look. In from my opinion, it's easily the hardest role in footy. It's I I, I genuinely I hated it's... playing it. It was just like so hard. You run all day. You never get the ball. Um, well, I didn't, but you, you've done that pretty well. Um, I don't get much through, either. No, talk us through that role, mate, because honestly, it is it is such an underrated position. I spoke to to Nick Haynes about this, I suppose, a little bit earlier with with the All Australian and how it probably should be recognised more, a little bit more, rather than putting you know resting midfielders down there. Yeah, talk us through like a focus of a small forward in a game for someone who wouldn't know what what it actually is. Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing is being a small forward, and I think a lot of us. Um, young draftees at Carlton um, were all mids. So coming down and not getting a lot of disposals, I think, was sometimes hard to hard to accept. But I think the biggest thing is just being accepted for being a pressure forward. And I think a big thing for us this year is just implied pressure and 450 tackles. Um, and I think when you think about it, it's actually quite easy to do because it's um, I think it's all about your mindset and not on the stat board. But... Um, when things go your way, and I was lucky enough in my first game, you know, you get to hit the scoreboard, which is um, the ultimate reward. But I think getting praised by your teammates for the the other small stuff um, definitely makes it worth it. Do you reckon it sort of changed, I suppose? Like, obviously you said, you know, you're setting yourself for a big year in the midfield, um, which, you know, 99% of guys want to play midfield. But do you think this year going down playing forward it actually made you realise that this is actually a pretty cool position or do you still want to sometime, some days still, you know, get back into the mids? Um, no, I think definitely um, I'm going to put all my eggs in this basket for this stage. Um, I think you know that um, you want to have more than one boat, um, one boat is more, what, what is the saying, Dil? Uh More eggs <laughs> to your out. string bows. More eggs to your bow strings, <laughs> yep. Um, so I don't want to be pigeonholed to one position, but... Um, if I can really nail this role, um, then, you know, if we're Carl Nass stacked for small forwards or mids and I can, I'm a bit versatile, I think that's, um, you know, really important. What's Eddie Betts been like for you, man? Like, obviously, he's one of the game's greatest small forwards of all time. Um, I was lucky enough to have him there just before he, he left. So I had, like, I think two years with him before he went to Adelaide. Um, but I remember just, like, the leadership and stuff that he gives off. What, what's he been like for you boys um, in, in the small forwards, I suppose? Yeah, Eddie's been massive for both Gibbo and I. I think um, even this year, I think we both will be both rested forward, um, hoping to get back in the inside. But um, I think what he's done for us this year is when we went down to play small forward, we wanted to earn his respect as a small forward. So he gave us that um, you know extra motivation and belief, I guess. But um, yeah, he's a ripper. He's a really caring guy. Um, I've got a lot of time for Eddie. Yeah, we all have time for Eddie. He's a great man. Uh, mate, unfortunately... In footy, though, um, as good as you play, sometimes you'll experience some some coach spray sweat at a time. Playing footy, it's all a part of it, and, and we love it. We love to celebrate it. Um, have you had the pleasure of copying any good ones throughout your time? I've only got one for you, mate, um, and it was under bolts. I think we we're playing Freo. Um, I think we've I think we've been pumped by. I think it was sixty to six at half time. It's not too um, bad. And he's thrown his um, pen at the TV that we were looking at. And he just lofted it like a little lob. And as soon as it's hit, it's just smashed the whole thing. And like a few of the boys, I think it was Ed Kerno even laughed mid-spray. 
I couldn't believe it. But I think the worst thing to do in a spray is definitely mask. Ed Kernow is a, is a very special man. He's probably the only one who can get away <laughs> with it. Um, speaking of Ed Kernow, because he could be the man in this, but we're a big fan um, on this show of talking about Moneyball players. Have you seen that movie Moneyball? Yeah. If we had to pick a a Moneyball player at Carlton, who do you think it would be? I have, ha- I do have Ed Kernow. You do? Yes. <laughs> But I think Ed Ed Kerno, besides Ed Kerno, I want because Ed Kerno is so underrated now. But he's he's very good player. Like he's so mentally, I've never yeah. seen anyone like Ed. He he's probably the mentally most toughest player, one of the most toughest players I've seen. Besides, uh, as well as Matt DeBoer. Um, is anyone else that we don't really know about that is so rated that you know gets something done under the field or internally rated at the Blues? Um, well, I've got another two. I'm gonna. I had Kate Simpson this year. Yeah. I can. You know, he produced another great year and it is um, sad to see a legend the club go. And I've also got Jack Nunes. I think he's my favourite teammate I've had at the club, hands down. How good um, is Jack? And he's so good. He's competitive. Um, he's fiery um, and can kick a bender from anywhere. How <laughs> how um, has it been having him in? I know you just said that he's been your favourite teammate, but that goal he kicked, that was unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. And um, Murph had one just the year before against Freo. So I've been blessed with back-to-back game winners against Freo. Mate, speaking of some good players that look like they're coming in. Now, I know you can't comment on this because it's, it's you know, you play for the team. But I'm going to say it looks like, from an outside perspective, that Zach Williams and Saad have nominated the Blues. And hopefully they get there. But if you could pick any other player, and this is not, you know, this is, we're not breaking the rules here. We're just saying, if you could pick your favourite player in the AFL to come to play for your own team, who who would you pick? Um, I think it'd be out of Josh Kelly and Toby Green. Maybe Lockie Whitfield, the three Giants boys. You've got to stick, man. You've got to stop taking Giants players. You've got to try and get someone <laughs> else besides Giants boys. Yeah, well, we've given you back, so it's like the life. That's true. That is true. That is. Yeah. <laughs> I think Carlton are still winning. Uh, I mean, Giants are still winning that deal, to be honest. You're a very popular man down at the Blues. Um, you had a great crew of, of young blokes. Who do you knock around with there at the most? I'm good friends with uh, Gibbo, Murph, um, maybe Sethers and Walshy would be people I hang around with the most, but I don't have much dirt on, on them for you, mate. You don't? nothing for you. Good. Okay, well, I do because Will Setterfield, um, good friend of mine, very, very lovely man from the Giants. Um, I was just wondering one thing he, he left um, – he said that he left this in Melbourne when he came to Sydney and it was his wallet. Um, he always seemed to, to go missing with that one. I was wondering if he was saying that he left that in Sydney when he got back to Melbourne. Uh, um, Setters isn't the worst at the club, believe it or not. I think he's actually um, – he's been on fire. Um, Cripper's probably the worst at that. Cripper's the worst at that? Hands down. Hands down. Cripper? Yeah. Is he on a budget? He, um, he's, on a, he's on a budget. He's um, very safe with his money. He'd hate me saying that, but he is. <laughs> Wait, the more you have, the uh, the less you want to spend it, that's for sure. Zach Fisher, there's something very cool about you, and it's your nuances that you like, and it's something that we all have a little bit of similarities, yourself and I, but one of them isn't the first one that I want to talk about, but it's your tattoos. You love your ink. How many tattoos do you have at the moment? I think I have around 10 or 15, just all around my body. Random ones. What are they? Let's talk about a few of them because one of them is is quite incredible that I I want to know first off. But one is kick it to Charlie. Yeah, okay, yeah, I got that last year. Um, yeah, so I had a deal with um, Harry and Charlie. The first one to kick 
more than six, I think. I'd get tattooed on my left quad, kicking lead that um, every time I got the ball, I knew who to kick to and it wasn't H for the looks of it. <laughs> and unfortunately, um, Charlie's been injured, so I haven't even played a game with him yet. What? That's actually quite great. What are, what are some of the other ones you've got? Um, I've got... Well, this is a podcast, but I'm going, coming up to the camera here. So left and right. I'm terrible with my left and right, so... It actually doesn't help me because under under the pressure, I, I don't even use them. So I usually just take the wrong turn anyway. Um, I've got easy on my left shin, um, which we love on my right shin. I've got DTP on my ass, which <laughs> yep. Um, and yeah, just a few more random ones. Did you get so, a bull recently as well? Yeah, I've got I've got a bull on my shin. Yeah. How big's that? Um, Big enough. Fistful. Too fistful, I reckon. Yeah, that's a big, that's what I'd say. That's a big bull. Moving on to the next topic that we both love, sneaker freakers. I yes. one thing that we have got in common and we do love to chat about recently is is our sneaker collection. Um we're both a fan of Yeezys and, and other other sneakers. Where how's your collection looking at the moment? What have you got? Um and and what are you what are you aiming to get? Yeah, it's taken a bit of a hit during the um COVID break because the suitcase capacity is um, pretty limited at the moment. So, um, yeah, I'm just a big Yeezy man. Um, I don't have too many pairs of Nikes, but, yeah, usually I like the, the V3 and the um, the Aliens, the 380s. Okay. It sounds weak, to be honest. I'm going to tell you about my collection because it just absolutely smashes yours. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, I've been going really hard in, in uh, isolation at the moment because I don't have anything else to do. But at the moment, my collection stands... As this, I've got the Azareth 700s, the Wave Runner 700s, and the Move 700s. I've got the yep. 500 Bones, 500 Salts, 500 Blacks, and I've got the 350 yep. Zebras, 350 uh, Sesames. Is that it? That's it. I've also got my Come to Garcons <laughs> in high tops and low. Um, but the goals for next year are obviously going to be growing the Nike. So if anyone's out there and um, is listening to this and has some. <laughs> some sneakers um, and they want to let me know what they've got or they want to trade, let me know because we're always looking to to get some more. Um, Zach Fisher, should I call you Witter something? What's your TikTok name? Bitter Wizard. What, where's Bitter <laughs> Wizard and where'd that come from? Nah, it was my, um, it's my PlayStation name, but um, yeah, I've had that oh, since I was 10, I reckon. It's... Um, it's my brother's name and, you know, the Wu-Tang Clan generator. That's how it all comes about. What's what's your opinion of TikTok? Because I, it's been getting me into a little bit of trouble lately. I've I've had to actually delete the app. I've I, I've deleted it, deleted it yesterday. I've a, I, and honestly had a severe addiction to TikTok. <laughs> oh, mate, so hard. And obviously you're in Melbourne at the moment, can't do much. I'd spend upwards of a couple hours a day on that thing. Easy. I um I actually got to a stage for me where I was knowing more about what Dixie um and Charlie D'Amelio and also Addison Ray were doing rather than the COVID nineteen rules here in, in Melbourne. It's, <laughs> it's it's a seriously addictive app. Um, I need to sort myself out, so I did delete that. But um, one man that I do know that loves his TikToks and he's a good friend of yours, and and I'm a big fan of this man is Maddie Cottrell. Talk us through Maddie Cottrell, his TikToks, and um, just the specimen as it is, because I'd love to get to know this young man. Mate, he's an absolute ripper. Um, 
you know, I said with his um, TikToks, that's exactly how he is in person. I think he's, um, you know, one of the most contagious um, people at the club. Um, and when he's playing, I think all the boys get a huge lift out of him, um, as you can see with the uh, Yana celebration. Yeah, we, we love that celebration. I wasn't a big fan of Tiggy dropping him next week when he won the game off his own boot. But um, I'll have to have a word with Tiggy um, in the offseason. No comment. Sure. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Even um, Charlie Cameron stealing his uh, Yana celebration, which was lovely. Yeah, no, we won't. We're not, we we don't stand for that either. Uh, it's Matty Cockroach, man. Um, mate, you're a big gamer. You're a big gamer, as you just said before. Now, gaming something that I I respect. Um, I don't I don't game myself, but I suppose at the start of this whole you know massive. I wouldn't say phase because it's obviously not a phase now because people are still doing it. But it's such a big thing. Like, what? How can you explain? gaming in the AFL? Is it a release for some guys or do you think there's actually a, a future that's in it where you can actually, you know, go a certain way and take it to a special thing? Um, I think it is something that will be um, – people will look more for a job in the future. I think it's um, – what do they call it? It is an e-sport, I guess, but I think it's the most viewable sport because you can watch it 24-7 if, if that makes sense. I think some of the big streamers – get, you know, grand final audiences every day, which is um, huge to believe. But, yeah, f- for me, it's just a, a good release. I think in the um, quarantine period, I would have put some 15 days of playing time in, which is uh, a bit out of control. But, you know, yeah, I really enjoy it. What do you, what do you play and, and do you stream? If anyone's listening out there who wants to play against you or, or watch you play, can can anyone do it? Yeah, anyone can do it. Call of Duty. Um, I've got a squad of uh, Billy Frampton, Peter Laddams and... Dan Houston is probably the, the four. So if anyone wants to play against us, go shoot. So how do you do that? Like, I know I sound like a 40-year-old right now. Or play like, with us yeah, or play against us? I don't know. Us. Whatever it is, how does it work? Well, if you wanted to play with me, you just wanted to would have to add my username, Bitter Wizard, two Zs, and um, we'd link up and play some games. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I might have to get a, an Xbox. It is very it is. simple. It's good. Um, it's one of the best things I can keep in touch with mates. Um so I've heard though that your gaming's getting so serious that your beautiful girlfriend Bella has actually had to start gaming as well just so she can spend some time with you. Yeah, she's on the uh, keyboard and mouse. We um, <laughs> during the quarantine, people. I hate phone calls. Like, I can't do them. I'm a terrible texter. So we'd sit in, um, you know, a PlayStation party chat for four hours just playing playing COD together. Um, she's not good, but you know, <laughs> it is time spent at the end of the day. <laughs> So she, instead of being oh. on the phone, she'd come in and play PlayStation just to just to have a chat with you. <laughs> no, no, no. So when I was in um, lockdown in Perth, um, I, I don't like talking every night. So instead of talking, she would just jump on for a couple of hours, and yeah, we just play together. <laughs> yeah, she, she she gave in. If you can't beat the addiction, join it. That is seriously the best story um, I've ever heard. I, I Justine, my little tofu princess, she would she would never ever do that for me so you've definitely um bella she's an absolute champion we give a shout out to her because she's our superstar um zach fisher i feel like we've got to know you a lot better tonight but what is the next uh 12 months i suppose like for zach fisher what are your goals i suppose in footy and what are your goals off field have you you ever thought about that i know you're only a young man you've just signed a three or four year deal but what does it what does it look like for you i suppose firstly in footy what's what's footy like for you um I think for me, it's just trying to, um, you know, get better at my forward craft, I guess. And I think, yeah, it is very cliche, but I just want to keep improving. And I think, you know, we've got a really good block of off-season where I can do that and work on myself. And, um, 
our team aspirations. We're obviously have no ceiling on where we can go next year, but I think as a goal, it's for me to just try and nail that forward craft. Cause I think, um, you know, it is a, a spot in Carlton where uh, we don't have a lot of, of options, I guess. I think, and the um, half back line hopefully will get a bit of a bump. But yeah, I think if I can become the best small forward, um, we'll go a long way to helping Carlton. Love that, and I, I couldn't agree more. But what what are you thinking off field? I suppose I know the gaming's a big one for you, but is there anything you want to sort of achieve off field now? You're twenty three, two, twenty two, yeah, yeah twenty two. That's what I was, thought I said. Um, twenty two <laughs> years of age. I know you're still a young man, but have you ever thought into to what's next post footy for you? I know that's still 10 years away, but um, have you ever thought about it? I have had a little think about it. Um, I think I'm at the stage where I'm just in a bit of a trial and error period. Um, just I'm, I'm, I was last year before COVID um, working with uh, Sam, Sam Rowe and uh, the Igushi Homes, um, who are a building company. Um, and I really did enjoy that, but I think for me, I'm just going to try and each year um, maybe do a bit of part-time work with um, a corporate sponsor or whatnot and just try and tick and cross whether I like it or not. But, um, yeah, it is um, – I'm a bit unsure, but um, as you said, I think one of the first things that I can remember from you was um, everyone says it, but time flies in football and, you know, similar to 18 years, but, Yeah. Yeah, time flies in footy unless you're Cade Simpson, I think. But no, you're right, mate. You've got a great head on your shoulders. Can't wait to see what's next for you. Um, can't believe you're doing some building with Sam Rowe. That's actually made my day because Sam Rowe is a, is a good oh, man. I'm not doing much building, mate, but I'm there. Are you the foreman, are you? I just follow him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh at all of his poor jokes and that's about it. Love it. Zach Fisher, thank you so much for coming on the Dylan Friends podcast, my friend. It's been a real... Pleasure. It's been a treat. Can't wait to catch up for a few cordials and uh, can't wait to see you running around in 2021. Um, go Baggers. Go Blues. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends podcast. If you liked it, it'd be a massive help if you could subscribe, rate and leave a review. I'll even give you a kiss. The show is produced by Dylan Buckley and Sam Bonza. Damon Jackman from Creative Edge Films is responsible for audio and visual editing. Samuel Kenny Creative looks after graphics and animation, and the podcast is recorded at the Dylan Friends studio, which sounds fancy, but really, a friend had a spare room at his office, and I took it over. If you'd like to get in contact to suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends podcast, you can email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com, which will also be in the show notes. Thanks so much for tuning in.